Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Kroger, fresh for everyone. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. There's a pocket of sports fans that really like uniforms. I'm one of them. I, not just my favorite team's uniforms like George, the, the, the school we obviously talk about here on this program each and every day, but just sort of sports in general. I have strong opinions on uniforms. Some fans do. I'm kind of one of those. And yesterday, Georgia announced kind of a slight alteration to its uniform, bringing back the block numbers on the jerseys. I think that's a good thing. And we'll talk about that maybe a little bit. But beyond that, I kind of think the way that Georgia rolled all of this out was also a good thing. And I think it's the kind of thing that Georgia could stand to do a, a little more of. And let me see if I can explain why I think this is the case and why I think this is a good chance for, for UGA fans to engage here a, a little bit. Here's the one thing that we know about Kirby Smart. And I don't mean this in any way critical because I think most people kind of like this about Kirby Smart. Kirby Smart is very much a get down to business type of coach. He's all, you know, he's pretty all business. Now, sometimes when you see like video that a recruit shares of a recruiting visit, you see a more relaxed version of Kirby. Or sometimes when like, say, the SEC network has interviewed him alongside like one of his friends, like Will Muschamp or something like that. You know, Kirby in coaching circles seems to be a little bit more relaxed. Sometimes we see a leaked video of him at a coaching clinic and he's a little different there than he sometimes might be with, you know, media, you know, public, whatever else. There is a way to sometimes capture a video image of Kirby that's pretty relaxed and kind of a guy that seems to enjoy obviously having a lot of fun but the persona of him as the lead man for Georgia football in that role is one that's very business oriented very much down to business kind of an all business type mindset I don't know that this is better embodied then a question that Kirby got from his press conference on Saturday after G-Day, one of the reporters was, I guess, going to do a story about what G-Day used to be like when you had um, celebrity coaches. I, I kind of vaguely remember uh, some of this 80s and 90s a little bit when you'd have, you know, you know, whether it be media types or whatever else, like one guy coaching the red team, one guy coaching the black team, admittedly. <laughs> I wouldn't mind being a celebrity coach for G-Day. Not that I'm a celebrity, but uh, just someone that would like to do that, uh, admittedly. But the point is, Georgia doesn't really do that anymore. And uh, Kirby Smart talked a little bit on Saturday why it is that they don't really do that at Georgia. And there are a couple of phrases that he used in the midst of talking about why Georgia doesn't want celebrity coaches for G-Day or why Kirby doesn't you know, get into stuff like that that just sound about as Kirby smart as it could possibly get, like really embodying everything we sort of think we already know about Kirby. Let me let you hear Kirby on Saturday kind of uh, uh, rejecting the notion that Georgia might bring in a, a sideshow like celebrity coaches for its spring game. This was Kirby from Saturday. Well, it doesn't bother me. You can do whatever you want as far as the coaches. I want the players to play. So all that's for entertainment purposes. For me, it's about making the players go out there and play well. How did they handle the pregame? How did they handle the, uh, the the halftime? Because everybody thinks it doesn't matter. It does matter. Because the next time they do it, it's going to be in Atlanta against Oregon. So for me, it's a it's a dress rehearsal. It's like see where their mind is. Does this kid respond well to anxiety? Because there's some anxiety out there today. So I'm a lot more into that than I am just goofing off with it. It's the phrase that he uses at the end that kind of gets me here when he talks about, listen, I'm more into that than just goofing off with it. But when you hear him say, like, goofing off with it, like goofing off, the, the idea that we're not going to come here at spring game and just goof off. I mean, the level of disdain that just drips off of his voice when he talks about the, 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 the counter, the alternative to how Georgia approaches its spring game 
coming out here and goofing off with with what's happening on the field the level of disdain that he has for that idea is just about as kirby smart as it gets also at the beginning of the clip when he talks about yeah all that kind of stuff is for entertainment purposes like like the idea that football could ever be reduced to just mere entertainment smart kind of views it all differently than that and listen I'm not saying that's bad, nor do I believe that most of the people in our audience think that's bad. I think most of the people in our audience kind of like the idea that Kirby Smart is as hard driving and energetic as he is. In fact, it's almost in that clip you just heard from him a moment ago. He comes across as more intense after a spring game than some coaches come across after a real game. That that he is as game ready, midseason form right there as some coaches might be in September, October, November. And that level of energy, that level of dedication and focus, that tenacity almost, uh, probably helps explain some of why. Uh, Georgia's had the success that it has had because Kirby Smart is that business oriented, that all business when it comes to that approach for UGA. Folks kind of like that. But here's the thing is that when you have a coach that's like that, it does leave some elements of the program. Maybe I don't want to say this. That, that there are some things that could be done to cultivate interest among fans that might not quite get done. That if Kirby is so focused on being the best version of Georgia football that he can be, the as Kirby says, the entertainment part of all this maybe gets lost, which I think puts an extra responsibility on the folks around Georgia football, the people that work for the program that are not Kirby Smart or his 10 assistant coaches, the people that work around the program to kind of cultivate the entertainment part of all of this that Kirby himself is just going to ignore because there are some head coaches around the sport who seem to kind of buy in more to the entertainment part of it. Like think about like say Mike Leach at Mississippi State. I would never want Kirby to be more like Leach, but that's a guy who seems to understand football as entertainment. I would say some of what Shane Beamer, very different type of way, but he seems to understand some of that at South Carolina. There are some coaches that do get the idea of, hey, there's a part of my job which is to cultivate the entertainment side of football and get folks kind of paying attention to my program georgia is not a program even before kirby smart that had to necessarily be sold that way georgia fans are already pretty bought in but that level of buy-in from fans is not necessarily the industry standard across the country different programs have different responsibilities when it comes to cultivating their fan needs and so georgia has never quite needed to, to cultivate that entertainment part of this but it's still kind of cool when they do. And so, you know, from that standpoint, I thought that something that Georgia did this week was really nice. I told you before, they have brought back the block numbers on the uniforms. And the best that I can tell, like I'm a little bit of a traditionalist when it comes to uniforms. So any kind of train change that goes back in the direction of tradition, I'm going to kind of like the best that I can tell. Most fans kind of like this, too, for whatever reason. The, the font that Georgia has been using recently is not my favorite, uh, but this is kind of a step back in that more traditional direction. So it's kind of a cool thing that, that, that Georgia is doing this. But beyond that, I, I think there's kind of a cool way in which Georgia has rolled all of this out. First of all, if they wanted to make uniform changes, they could have just worn these on G-Day, right? It's like, hey, you know, we're going to show off these new uniforms in G-Day. But whoever's kind of in charge of this kind of thing is smart enough to understand, no, you don't need to do this on G-Day because people are already excited about seeing the spring game. There's no reason to waste something like this, kind of a cool uniform change that will mostly be well received. There's no reason to waste that on G-Day because people are already excited about G-Day. Why not drop kind of a cryptic video 
uh, social media message a couple of days after that and kind of get folks guessing get folks talking in fact i think we showed this to you yesterday on the show and i kind of joked about i don't know if i'm just getting old or what but when i saw the 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 animated video of the 2022 year and the way it's flashing the numbers and it is flashing to show some block numbers i didn't necessarily know that this was a reveal that george was going to go back to the block uh, jersey numbers but a lot of folks in the replies clearly uh, clearly did understand that's what the message was about but it's kind of like a i don't know whether it be what like a is it is it loki on a, a marvel or or you know the old show lost on abc there's a certain like sort of cryptic nature to all of this that i think fans kind of enjoy had folks guessing had folks talking and then georgia day later comes back with another video once again really well done to demonstrate that georgia is in fact we'll show you some of this as we uh, kind of talk here uh, that georgia is going to have uh some block numbers they bring back uh, uh a david pollock to be a part of all this as a kind of a nice level of um almost like a special effect type deal in all of this and going back and showing you some old video and just kind of getting you excited to a kind of a throwback of what was a really cool age for georgia football as i said before with the surprise reveal of uh, david pollock wearing the uniform there at the end this is the kind of entertainment stuff that kirby smart as you heard before doesn't really buy into smart's not worried about hey fun social media videos what the uniform looks like or anything along those lines he's worried about getting the players better but just because that's where smart's attention's focused doesn't mean that someone's attention shouldn't be focused on that kind of thing and so i think the way in which georgia rolled out these uniforms this week was actually you know pretty fun because let's face it there is an element for georgia football we talked before about kirby smart being all business and the impact of that ends up being there's an element of georgia football that just sort of feels business as usual year after year after year and that's not a bad thing georgia's going to start every year among the shortlist favorites to win the sec be back in the college football playoff and you know that's the kind of thing that georgia fans don't have to spend very much time you know wondering about worrying about they know their team is very well solidified when it comes to that so georgia fans don't have that same opportunity to wonder about their team in the offseason other fans do georgia fans kind of know that uga is going to be very good in almost every year and just how good is it end up being so when you can cultivate some wonder among fans it's probably a pretty good thing to do so i'm going to give a shout out to uga on this i thought the throwback to the block letter uniforms the numbers on the the, the jerseys probably a pretty good step but taking the extra creative step to announce it in kind of a fun way with a couple of days worth of videos and get fans guessing get fans talking bring back a uga great to help you with a little bit of a surprise reveal that's the kind of entertainment stuff that kirby doesn't always buy into but still probably pretty important for the program and it seems like georgia fans had a good time with that this week my name is brandon adams and this is dog nation daily the daily podcast for georgia bulldogs fans were presented by kroger and glad to have you with us no matter how you do 9 45 first and 15 dognation.com dog nation app 10 a.m after that facebook youtube twitter twitch we're on the radio at noon on Athens Sports Radio 960 The Ref, and we are available as a podcast, however you find them. Uh, the Apple Player, Spotify, Google, all the various podcast platforms. You can use all of them to find our show each and every day, and we're very happy to have you doing all of that. Also, big thanks to our friends at Kroger for making it all possible. If you're watching a video today, you see a brand new, good-looking um uh brand new logo there from kroger which is really fun to see and we're excited about all of that but here's the thing we're also really excited about when it comes to our friends kroger right now the fact that they're helping you save money at the pumps right now and listen we all know this most of us are just trying to get by each and every day trying to make 
you know, hating the world, knowing that things are more expensive than they've ever been. And seems like those fuel costs are as expensive as anything right now. And that brings about a little stress, right? You're trying to figure out how to pay for all this kind of stuff. Well, Kroger's going to try to help you out on that because they're going to give you those fuel rewards when you do what you're already doing, which is shopping and saving big inside Kroger stores. So let me explain to you how this works. You can earn a fuel point for every dollar you spend in a Kroger store or online at Kroger.com. Now, there's also opportunities as well to earn twice the fuel points there, too, when you purchase gift cards and also some special weekends throughout the year. And when you shine up the, uh, when you sign up for the Kroger Boost, there's a lot of different ways to get double fuel points. But those extra fuel point savings at Kroger is a great way to save money at the pumps with Kroger right now. So stop in store and find out more about this or do your shopping there at Kroger.com, and you can learn all about that today. By the way, we'll also remind you once again, before our show is done today but our friends at kroger when it comes to uh the great championship mom celebration that's ongoing and your chance to be a big winner or the mom in your life to be a big winner courtesy of our friends at kroger we'll tell you more about that coming up on our show here today uh also special guest before we're done today there as well this is going to be really fun we're going to bring on a member of the national champion georgia bulldogs on today's show on his way to the nfl working hard to get ready for that uh, we'll talk to John Fitzpatrick today. There's a lot to get into with John on our program today, both in terms of what his pre-draft process has been like. I think that's a really interesting window into, you know, this time of year for these NFL hopefuls. John can tell us about that. He can also tell us about how much fun it was to put on that national championship bring on Saturday and the special celebration that was there for those Georgia players. That's great to see. And of course, the Georgia tight end position incredibly deep right now, as deep as maybe it's ever been anywhere. Uh, John can give us some thoughts on some of those guys here coming up in just a little bit. That's going to be really fun with John Fitzpatrick before we're done on the program today. Of course, Jeff Sintel, a lot of recruiting news to get into with Jeff. It's really amazing how much movement there has been with top prospects post G Day. So Jeff will help us explain all of that here coming up in just a little bit. Can't wait for that. Let me also give you a little bit of a heads up here too. Today is a bit of a getaway day for us. And I'll go around the doghouse and just kind of explain this to you here for a moment. Today is a little bit of a getaway day for us. This is the last show we're doing in studio until next Monday. I mean a Monday more than a week from now, because Starting on Monday, we are on board Independence of the Seas with Royal Caribbean. And those of you who are cruising with Dog Nation here next week, the time of the Dog Nation cruise has finally arrived. We're really excited about all of that. But it's not just a vacation for us because we still want to deliver Dog Nation daily to you. So here's how it's going to work. If you normally watch on video, the show will still be there for you. Not a first and 15 next week. The show is going to start at 10 a.m., which is kind of our normal start time anyway. Uh, but no first and 15 next week. Show starts across all platforms at 10 a.m. These will be pre-recorded shows, but not pre-recorded like a week in advance. Like We're going to record these on the ship. We just don't have the kind of like, you know, Wi-Fi capabilities to necessarily do the show streaming live. So we're going to kind of do these sort of the night before. So if you uh, um, if, if you tune in, I won't be interacting with your comments live. I'm actually going to try to interact with some commenters there on board the cruise ship with us, and that's going to be really fun. But your live comments, you, of course, can interact with each other. I just won't be able to interact with you on video next week. But like we're going to record, uh, you know, we'll do Monday show live. We are going to do that. So from that standpoint, I'm going to do that from Florida before I leave. So that'll be pretty normal, pretty typical. We'll have plenty of interaction there on that. But Tuesday morning show, we're going to record Monday night and then kind of the same thing for the rest of the week there, too. We'll be live again back on Friday, uh, post NFL draft, kind of react to some of that with you. So show's going to be a little bit different next week on the 
basis of the fact that we're on the ship but we're going to still deliver a dog nation daily to you in fact we're going to have you know a good bit more of mike griffith a good bit more of jeff Sintel on the show just kind of having fun and kind of uh, sharing some of the sights and sounds with all of that so i think it should be a really great experience i know it's going to be fun for those who are on board with us and i know mike and jeff are really excited about being on independence of the seas with royal caribbean there as well and you know i'm excited about that so stay tuned next week for some really fun shows from the bahamas as we're sailing and that's going to be a uh, great time so that's all coming up then for now though a lot to get into when it comes to uga recruiting guys who have been at g-day or been at georgia a lot recently who have said some pretty interesting things about the dogs right now george may be trending for a number five star prospects and a lot of big names post g-day let's get all the information on that before john stinch i should say john fitzpatrick joins us a little bit later on it's uh jeff Sintel here on dog nation daily presented by kroger glad to have him and all of you with us here today and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead. Here's a DogNation.com insider. So uh, Jeff Sintel joins us here, Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger. I'm sure Jeff's excited about being on board the cruise, and we'll talk more about that, I'm sure, before we're done. But uh, Jeff, let me kind of take care of plenty of business before we get to any of that happy talk. Uh, A lot of recruiting stuff to break down. You've had great stuff at DogNation.com on this over the course of the last couple of days. And I want to begin with Jamal Jarrett here for a moment because – this is a guy that I think the Georgia fans have gotten pretty acquainted with because of some of the things that you've written. And when you think about those big, dominant defensive linemen that were such an important part of Georgia's national championship a year ago, replacing what's leaving there becomes really important. Pretty good crop of that here on the 2022 roster. But for future Georgia teams, a guy like Jarrett would certainly look pretty good in a Georgia uniform. He's got a list of finalists that have come out here as of late. And it seems like Best you can tell, Georgia's in a pretty good spot for Jarrett here right now. Good morning, Brandon. Um, if you would permit me, I might say the most profane thing I've ever said on your airways, and I, I would like to lead a chorus among everybody watching right now. Um, when it comes to Jamal Jarrett, screw those rankings, man. Yeah. He's a he's a three star defensive tackle. I, I, I don't I don't know I don't know what world maybe in the NFL. Um, He's, see, here's the thing, Brandon. I know everybody gets caught up on rankings, and uh, you know, I got some feedback yesterday about, "Hey, man, why are you? you know, this is a three star." And I'm like, "I'm like, dude, just trust me. This is a different cat. He's been to two camps uh, this spring, Brandon. He's been the defensive line MVP at both camps. I think that when we pop the hood on the Jamal Jarrett kind of rankings curiosity, what you see there is, man, it traces back to the JD ninety nine stuff. He was coming up." And, like, Brandon, I think two of the websites are still confused about, is this guy a defensive lineman? Is this guy an offensive tackle? Um, and that's why his rating is skewed. He told me he had to go to a rivals camp in order to prove to him that he was a defensive lineman to get ranked as a defensive lineman. And all he's done is perform better than a lot of guys that are higher rated than him. And, Brandon, we can walk back to memory jog. Jordan Davis was also seen as a three-star. He was also a big, large, imposing young man. And he, some people always wondered, is he an offensive tackle? Is he a defensive tackle? And you've got a little bit of Devontae Wyatt now in Jamal Jarrett's story at 6'6", 350. He ran a 12-2 relay leg on the track for the big man track relays uh, for Grimsley High School this past spring. Yeah, it's one of those things where, and the Davis story, I remember talking about this when Davis was a recruit, that 
sometimes I think it's hard to measure those guys the way the, the recruiting industry would typically measure somebody because sometimes you don't have a lot to go on necessarily. You know, it's not going to be always a lot of stats in the games themselves, and sometimes the, the kind of athletic credentials that um, that a, a player might show off at a camp. You know, a big defensive lineman doesn't always get the chance to do that. I mean, I think that. You know, even, you know, maybe Kirby Smart's even said something to this effect before that, you know, sometimes from a recruiting ranking standpoint, what dominates the interior of a defensive line just doesn't show up in that ranking, you know, process, you know, very well. So, you know, given the, the you know, recent level of not exactly elite recruits that have played really well for UGA, you know, I, I kind of find myself less interested in some of those rankings than I used to now listen that doesn't change the fact that you still have to have a lot of former four and five star recruits on your roster and clearly Georgia will continue to do that but when you see a lot of guys who had a lesser profile having great success at UGA I just think you kind of start to expect well you know maybe the Georgia offer is the actual recruiting credential that the four and five star is nice but the presence of a committable offer to UGA that probably means more than maybe anything else just given the level of scouting prowess Georgia's proven itself to have yeah especially I think it's funny uh Travion Scott is a great example I think if anybody has any doubts about what that young man can do with evaluation and development I think those will be answered uh next Thursday while we're floating down the floating down in the Caribbean, Brandon. Uh, you know, Jamal's a guy that has an over-the-top personality. He's fun to talk to, kind of like Jordan as well. Um, and, Brandon, I, I know you saw it. The, perhaps the best rankings you could ever do is you could put uh, the side-by-side of Jamal Jarrett next to Jordan Davis at the National Championship Celebration back on January the 15th. And we have pictures of that in the most recent story on dognation.com. And the high school junior – side-by-side uh, side with a young man who graduated high school in 2018 that will be a first-round pick in the NFL draft. And if you want to look at it really closely, Jamal Jarrett is the bigger man, and that's kind of crazy. It really is. Uh, we'll move on talk about a couple of other guys here too. A guy that you've also written about recently, dognation.com, Samuel Bapemba, the athlete out of IMG Academy. Seems like Georgia might be moving in a pretty good direction for him. I'm curious about that, but I'm also curious how you think a guy like that would be used at a place like Georgia. Yeah, Brandon, uh, Coach Chud is what all the players call him. And, Brandon, we got to ring the bell here for uh, Coach Chud era Uzo Deribe, man. I don't know if anybody, if we just graded our Georgia recruiters on the trail, the assistant coaches, the on-field coaches on the trail, and we recruited them for what they did, what they've done so far from mid-January to right now, I don't know if I'd have anybody much higher than Coach Chid. Uh, he is really getting after it. He's got Georgia right in kind of an enviable poolside position with all of Georgia's, you know, high-profile uh, outside linebacker Wolfpack edge targets. And, Brandon, you're going to like this kid, uh, Samuel Mpemba. First of all, I thought it was very inspiring and powerful how – and whoever is in the UGA recruiting lab that does this stuff that figured this out – uh, he's, his family, now he's from St. Louis, but his family's from Togo, the West African nation of Togo. And they just happened to have a, a, a Togo flag uh, nearby when he was taking his photo shoot pictures for his most recent visit. That was a plus. That was very Im- impressive to me. I'd never quite seen a Georgia recruiting photo quite like that. And the other thing is that, Brandon, he started at tight end last year for IMG Academy. That says two things. Number one, I know you like that IMG Academy brand that says a starter as a junior. That's a recruiting ranking in and of itself. And then you've got Mpemba that's seen as an outside linebacker at Georgia. 
Uh, he was rated as the nation's number two athlete, number number 18, I think 16, 17 overall in the country. And, Brandon, here's the kicker. Never taken a visit to Georgia before. Love Georgia. Love Georgia coming out of the visit. And, really, he has to go back. And this is another another time for me to, you know, maybe maybe echo and just, you know, give an attaboy or a helmet sticker to Coach Shadira Uzu Deribe again here. Brandon, he was recruiting this young man, Samuel Mpemba, back when he was at Kansas. Brandon, that was like three jobs ago for him, like two or three years ago because he's went from uh, SMU to TCU to Georgia from Kansas over the last two or three years of his career. But that's a great relationship that he has with Sam. And Sam really loves Georgia. Georgia's going to get an official visit. Georgia's one of his top schools. And, Brandon, that's the type of place you want to be in right now with a young man as talented as Samuel and Pemba. I think that's exactly right. It's great to see. And, you know, a lot of this energy kind of continuing to kind of uh, stream off of what happened for uh, G-Day on Saturday. Another guy that's kind of in that five-star category is Jaden Wayne, who, you know, Georgia seemed to be in a good position with. You know, the G-Day visit kind of coming on the heels of his mother visit to Athens here lately. And it doesn't seem like the Georgia pursuit of Wayne's going to slow down anytime soon, right? Yeah, so I think Georgia's visited Wayne this week already. And you've got a guy that, Brandon, I'll, I'll be honest, I don't know if he's going to go to Alabama or Oregon or Georgia, but I think Georgia's right there. And I think that the thing that's funny is he, he's been to the last two – he's been in the house the last two times Georgia has played a football game in Sanford Stadium. Now, that's no big deal if you live in Duluth or you live in Decatur or you live in Dunwoody. That's a big deal when you live in the Washington, yeah. Tacoma – Bellevue, Washington area, where that's like 2,700 miles away. Uh, and coming out of it, Brandon, I thought it's some of the strongest uh, interview feedback I've gotten in a while from a Georgia recruit. He said he could see himself there. He said the brotherhood is ridiculous. What he really noticed, Brandon, is you know he didn't get fooled by maybe, oh my gosh, all these former players are here. Because he knew that Georgia was giving out rings, so that's why all those NFL dogs that were going to be there. That was a plus for him for, because he got to see development. Very much the big thing is he looked around and he started seeing J.R. Reed. He started seeing Brian Herrien. He started seeing Jonathan Ledbetter. He started seeing Malik Herring. He's like, hold on. You mean these guys went to school here and they're not getting a ring, but they're still here for G-Day. And they had glowing things to say about Georgia. What he noticed, and he said it very strongly a couple times, he says that the atmosphere and the brotherhood at Georgia is ridiculous. To that point, I asked, I often ask recruits that hit a back-to-back from Alabama to Georgia to kind of compare and contrast those experiences. And he said one big thing that separates the feeling at Alabama and and then the feeling at Georgia is the brotherhood at Georgia. Consequently, Brandon, one of the things he's really looking for in a college college destination is a place where it feels like a brotherhood. It feels like a family. He feels connected. And, oh, yeah, Georgia's Keely Ringo – actually grew up in Washington, yeah. actually played on the same youth teams as Jaden Wade, and, and that is another plus there for Georgia in recruiting Jaden Wade. Uh, you mentioned a moment ago, Chazera Yuzo-Deribe. How involved is he in this recruitment here when it comes to the edge rusher, Wayne? Very involved. Uh, it was funny. Uh, Jaden Wayne was he was kind of funny. Last year, he didn't know whether Georgia liked him or really, really liked him or loved him. And then once they got that straightened out with Dan Lanning, then he was really interested in Georgia. Well, there's been really no demarcation or deviation or, or any sort of um, any sort of trial for him to figure out whether Coach Ch- Coach Chid likes him. Um, they've been recruiting him heavy. 
they see him as a guy that can play the edge for Georgia. Now, Brandon, he's about 6'4". He's about 245 right now. He punts for his high school team. And, hey, here's another common denominator for Coach Chid's guys. Starts at tight end, starts on offense at wide receiver, makes a lot of plays in the passing game. And, Brandon, when you're bringing a young man or trying to bring a young man to the SEC to chase down playmakers, and he is a playmaker in and of itself when he plays on the offensive side of the ball, that just shows the skill set that Georgia's going for at outside linebacker, Brandon. They want him bigger. They want him longer. And they want those type of guys that look like basketball power forwards out there. No, I think that's a really good description. And I guess my point about Uzadribe is it just sort of seems like that, obviously for a lot of Georgia fans when he was first hired, there's this quick rush trying to figure out who this guy is, what he means for Georgia. And, you know, listen, you know, the presence of a Georgia assistant coach in the recruiting trail is always going to bring a certain level of hype with it. But in the case of Uzadribe, it, it seems it's a little different than that, that he really, the best that I can tell based on your reporting and just kind of the online chatter, that exists truly is making a big name for himself in his early stages of his Georgia career. It's not a surprise necessarily that Georgia's involved with a guy like Wayne or Mpemba, or we'll talk about Gabe Harrison in a moment. You know, some of these guys that uh, you know Georgia is in the mix for. That's a yearly story. But for a guy like Yuzo Dribe, who was not well known when he first was hired at Georgia, to become as well known as quickly as he has with the recruits that truly matter. I think it does speak to what he has a chance to be on this Georgia staff, which is a guy that fits in well with the kind of dynamite recruiters that Kirby has typically hired. Yeah, Brandon, I think he was playing college football back in 2015, so he's pretty still close to that age. And a lot of the players, the prospects, they tell me that, man, he's got so much energy, man. He makes us feel tired a little bit. And then they get him on the practice field, and he finds another gear. I think he's extremely relatable, Brandon. And, you know, the other thing with him, and Brandon, he just parachuted into Georgia like mid-January. And what he has done, and he was already calling his high-profile high targets. He was already calling those guys on the way to the Georgia job when he was driving, you know, to talk about it. He was like, hey, man, I might go here. This might be working out for me. And that's a man that has a plan. And what he's done really, basically, Brandon, is give Georgia A1A territory with all of his marquee guys really quickly in two, three months on the job. He's a guy that I think is going to be very effective in this profession. I see him rising in this profession. And really, the young men really, really relate to him. Uh, How about Gabe Harris? You know, I said this on Monday that to me, G-Day was a little bit of a throwback to maybe pre-pandemic or kind of a time back before Georgia's recruiting dominance was such a sure thing where UGA fans, I think, were hoping the spring game could be a springboard. Hey, who can you have on campus and who can you excite because of the the show that you kind of put on? You know, Georgia football recruiting has kind of become a little bit of a machine, you know, in, in recent years. And it's almost like you don't really need any, you know, catalyst for recruiting success. It seems to take care of itself. But on Saturday, it seemed to be a little bit of a throwback to that, whether it be a high-profile decommitment from a player committed elsewhere who was on campus or you know, the, kind of the classic spring game commitment coming off the heels of that with Gabe Harris. Felt a little bit like a throwback to me to kind of a bygone age back when you know Georgia fans were craving recruiting success a lot more than they maybe are now where they just sort of expected to be the case. But uh, G-Day does result in the uh, Harris commitment. What can you tell us about him and just the overall vibe for recruits that, who were there on Saturday? You know, you know, Brandon, it's funny. Your eyes do not deceive, sir. Uh, I think maybe you caught a glimpse of Christian Miller in the throwback yeah. Kirby Smart jersey. That's did right. I did that? see. Yeah, that was really cool. Yeah, that was a very fun photo. I did see that. 
and and then you saw C.J. Allen, who is a priority linebacker for Georgia out of Middle Georgia, out of Lamar County. He was wearing a throwback Malcolm Mitchell jersey. Nice. Um, and it's like I asked him why he wore the Malcolm Mitchell jersey, and there's some news coming with C.J. Allen, but like he, he wore the Malcolm Mitchell new Malcolm Mitchell jersey because Schumann is his is his position coach, potential position coach. Schumann is his recruiter of record. And Schumann was coaching for the red team. So he had to wear a red jersey to support the guy recruiting him. And that's what he did. And, you know, you mentioned Gabe Harris. This is what's interesting. Brandon, on the low low, Gabe Harris silently committed to Georgia back in March. That was a great weekend in March. Let me just say that. And he just, he was kind of going to wait till the summer. Florida was in there. Florida State was in there. He wanted to take some officials. But the young man just got to Georgia Easter weekend, and he's like, man, what am I waiting for? This is home. Chadira, Coach Chadira, Uzo Deribe. This might be the, the, the Chadira, Coach Chud podcast special here yeah. from Doug Nathan Daly. But that was another guy. He put Georgia right there in the checkmate position to get the recruit, and they did. Um, and now he's part of the class. He's another edge defender. Georgia's going to have to get a couple more of those guys in this 2020-23 uh, reload cycle at the outside linebacker position. But – you know, it was one of those weekends, Brandon, where Georgia got in pretty cozy with a lot of guys. And it was, again, Easter weekend. The weather wasn't great. There were still 68,000 people in the stands. wasn't 93K day, but it was still very impressionable. Perhaps just as impressionable because everybody got to see the rings and the players were so jubilant. And then the recruits could kind of feed off that energy a little bit and Brandon, man, you haven't even asked me about the wide receiver that snuck his yeah. way in there, man. We got a lot to talk about the wide receiver. We'll finish with that here right now, right now, if you don't mind, then. We got, you know, you know, Brandon, this is what's different about Hakeem Williams. And yeah. I said this on our on our Before the Hedges program on Wednesday. Um, somewhere in the expectation threshold between George Pickens and AJ Green might where might want to be where folks should get excited about Hakeem Williams wow. for a couple of reasons. And, you know, this is not just a recruiting analyst trying to, you know, hype up this story a little bit, but um, Brendan, even Nick Saban himself compared him to Julio Jones. So if I think if I'm wow. sitting here going somewhere between George Pickens and, and AJ Green, that's being somewhat conservative with my projection there. Um, shows up at Georgia wearing a Georgia hat. He just at Georgia, Brandon, like two or three weeks ago. And then what he does, Brendan, and this is what I thought was very curious. Normally, the 2023s hang out with other 2023s. They hang out with recruits. Guess where Hakeem Williams sat? He sat right in the mix of Marvin Jones Jr., Christian Miller in that Kirby Smart jersey, Dylan Bell. I mean, he was right in the middle of 2022 signee Central hanging out with those guys. And he's just like, man, I like those guys. They let me hang with them. I fit in. So I just wanted to hang out with him. That's nice. Those are all very encouraging signs for someone that already already tells me, without a doubt, that Georgia is going to get an official visit. Brandon, remember I said screw those rankings earlier? Sure. I, I'm maybe not screwing the rankings here on uh, Hakeem Williams, but number six wide receiver in the country, number 39 overall. That sucker is only going to go up. Brandon, 6'3", 195. Very entertaining high school film. Looks like he can run every route. Miami's in there, Georgia's in there, Pitt is in there. Um, that's a good group for Georgia to be in right now. And, Brandon, Hockey Williams, if he comes to the University of Georgia, if he signs to the University of Georgia, I think he's going to be as talented and as big as an overall all-around wide receiver 
as Kirby Smart has ever signed. Boy, Jeff, that is exciting news. Great, great evaluation of what Williams brings to the table. I know you've got some more stuff coming on him at dognation.com here in the uh, next bit there as well. Jeff, the next time I see you, we'll be basking in the uh, Florida sunshine, setting sail towards the Bahamas on Independence of the Seas. Can't wait to do that with you and Royal Caribbean here next week. It's going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait to see you there. It's called working hours, Brandon. I'm having having a hard time wrapping my mind around that, but maybe it might be national championship celebration hours on the uh, Royal Caribbean. I think it's Harmony of the Seas. Did I get that right, Brandon? We are on independent. We are on Independence of the Seas. If you get on Harmony of the Seas, you're going somewhere else. We're on Independence (laughs) of the Seas. Um, That's that's what I keep you around for, Brandon. Harmony. We'll make sure. We'll make sure you get on the right ship, Jeff. Enjoy the weekend. We'll see you there. Yes, sir. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Yeah, got to be careful that Jeff, he didn't get on the wrong ship there. By the way, uh, we'll have John uh, Fitzpatrick, former Georgia tight end here, coming up in just a couple of minutes. Excited about that here today. And by the way, speaking of Royal Caribbean, let's go cruise around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean here, just for a moment. Yeah, we're going to be in Independence of the Seas heading towards next week. I'm excited about that. And you can get excited about your own Royal Caribbean cruise vacation coming up there as well. You know, a lot of folks in our comment section have been saying that, oh, B.A., I wish I could be with you all, and I wish you could be there too. And if you can't, have your own plans for your own Royal Caribbean vacation because let me tell you this, it's going to be a great time. We're going to try to bring you some of the sights and sounds as well as the typical Georgia football conversation that we're always a part of. Uh, we'll just be doing it in the fun and the sun of the Bahamas there next week. But check out our friends the Cruise and Vacation Authority, and you can get locked in on your own Royal Caribbean cruise vacation. This is a great time to do that. Uh, you can really tell cruising is back in a big way. And I know the energy on the ship next week is just going to be great. So I'm excited about that. We'll kind of bring you the all the fun there of it but you're going to make your own plans get on your own royal caribbean cruise ship here coming up very soon our friends at the cruise and vacation authority can help you do that check them out tcava.com if you want to do more there all right before we get uh, john stinchcomb uh, i keep saying john stinchcomb it is john fitzpatrick the former georgia uh tied in who's going to join us before we get uh, john fitzpatrick let me go and do a little bit of uh cruise around the sec courtesy of royal caribbean before we get there so espn has updated its way too early top 25 connor Riley had a story about this at dognation.com and Georgia kind of right there where you probably expected to be right there around number three obviously to me this speaks to a team that's very much in that college football playoff national championship conversation once again Georgia essentially in the same spot now it was a year ago in all of these kinds of whether it be you know polls like this opinion polls or analytics metrics you know Georgia's about the same spot that it that it was last season I don't think in the true eyes of the objective observer those outside the bubble of dog nation georgia's actually all that much less of a national championship contender this year than it was before there weren't tons of people predicting georgia win the national championship last year in other words so the scenario for georgia's kind of not really changing i even said this off the top of the program that georgia's a very business-like program and most years are kind of business as usual this is kind of one of those deals where georgia once again kind of starts the season in the eyes of most in that preseason top three top four right there in the list of most likely playoff teams by the end of the year however here's one of the things i think you start to look at there a bit is okay well if if georgia is a very likely playoff team and if alabama is there as well two sec teams a year ago maybe the same thing happens again this year it seems pretty easy to draw a path for ohio state out of the big 10 where's your fourth playoff team coming from and if you look at the teams that are ranked, you know, high in the ESPN ranking, you know, Clemson's at 11th, but we've seen them deal with major quarterback concerns. 
Oklahoma State's at 10, you know, kind of faded maybe a little bit down the stretch. Michigan's at 9. You know, you saw what they looked like against a real team last year in Georgia. They were lucky enough to beat Ohio State at home last year, but they have to go on the road this year. You know, uh, Michigan State's at 8. I don't know how seriously you take that. Uh, NC State's at 7. I know you don't take that seriously, nor should you. Then you get Notre Dame at 6. We've seen that before. Uh, Texas A&M's at 5. Is there even a possibility of three SEC teams in the playoff? Utah's at 4. I'll, I'll you know believe that when I see it. The point is, I think it becomes very interesting to figure out who your fourth playoff team is. Very easy to put Georgia and Alabama back in there because of what Ohio State brings back, especially on offense. Easy to put them in there, too. But, man, the debate might be around who is the fourth most likely playoff team for the upcoming season. The way-too-early ESPN Top 25 probably starts that. Believe it or not, there are still two SEC spring games left on the schedule for Saturday. Georgia obviously finished up last week, but a couple of other SEC teams finished up this week. It is LSU spring game, the debut for Brian Kelly, so to speak, uh, as LSU head coach. And it's also the Grove Bowl in Oxford there for Ole Miss. And you know, for the most part, both these spring games are going to really focus in pretty heavily on the quarterback situation. There are three guys at LSU battling it out right now. Garrett Nussmeier, remember him a couple of years ago. That's a pretty big-time recruit that up to this point hasn't had a chance to show very much at LSU. We'll see it. Uh, look at him there tomorrow. Then there is Miles Brennan, who's kind of a favorite son there in the state of Louisiana, a guy who's been at LSU for quite some time. Let's face him. He's had chances to win the starting job before and has not been able to come up and do that and now both those guys Ness Meyer and Brennan competing against the recent transfer to the program which is Jaden Daniels out of Arizona State you know the Daniels story he was a real hot prospect early in his career but probably has to be frank faded some since then the Arizona State program has also faded some there as well so maybe Daniels issues are related to where he was playing maybe the change of scenery gives him a, a new look but interesting to see if the newcomer looks to be the favorite to win the LSU job or if a guy like Brennan who's now stuck around at one point in time looked like he might transfer out changes his mind to see if he gets the nod there on that and then at Ole Miss here's something worth watching especially if you're reading news reports coming out of Oxford as of late so Jackson Dart is the transfer from USC there to Ole Miss and most folks I think assume that he'll be the starting quarterback for Ole Miss this season but there has been a little talk as of late about Luke Altmeyer, who is from Starkville, competing there alongside. A lot less attention than Dart, the USC transfer. But it sounds like Altmeyer's had a pretty good spring, and it sounds like he may be actually a, a real threat in this quarterback competition right now. The Grove Bowl for Ole Miss, in other words, could be a little bit interesting on Saturday. So a couple of spring games there to uh, tide you over for football season here this weekend. We'll make that cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And here, as promised, on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger, want to get ready to say hello to a guy that on Saturday got to do something that every football player dreams of doing. That's sliding on that national championship ring. Huge ovation from the crowd there for G-Day as it happened. He is a great former dog, uh, a guy who represented this program so well during his time there at UGA, and a guy we've known around here for a long time, going back to an old Marlowe's Tavern visit from a number of years ago. It is John Fitzpatrick here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger. John, congratulations on a great career and a great season, and uh, welcome here to our program here today. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. So I got to ask you, how did it feel to put the ring on on Saturday? This is the kind of thing that when you were with us at Marlowe's a few years ago, 
this is the kind of thing that Georgia fans really craved, and they were hoping your recruiting class would be the one that brought this home and come to find out that's exactly uh, the way it worked out. Uh, a lot of Georgia fans had a lot of longtime wishes that were satisfied by that championship season that you were part of this year. What has it felt like to put that ring on and uh, be received by the fans because of the success that you all enjoyed? Yeah, uh, it felt amazing. It meant the world uh, to, you know, obviously the fans, but to our team, our recruiting class. Um, coming in with Jamari, uh, Quay, all those guys, um, you know, four years of hard work, all that hard work, uh, you know, comes to fruition. And, and you came up short a few a few years, the last couple of years, and, and finally to get over the hump, and, you know, it, it was really the best feeling in the world. So I've got to ask you this. I don't really know what the etiquette is necessarily. I know what I would do. I'd be wearing it all the time. But do you think you will wear the ring? Is it is it just too big, too nice to wear very much? Is the kind of thing that you're going to put in a safe somewhere and make sure that it you know, stays uh, looking pristine? How much do you think you will wear it? And I guess how typical is it for a, for a player to want to kind of go off and, and show that thing off from time to time? Do you think you'll wear it much? Uh, I think there's going to be a wide variety for me. I'm probably not going to wear it too often. Uh, it's it's pretty big. Uh, the ring is huge, and then also it's like big on my finger, um, <laughs> so and it kind of weighs my hand down. So, you know, I don't I don't know if I'll be wearing it uh, too much. Maybe to some events here and there. Uh, there's definitely some guys that are gonna are gonna be wearing it all the time, which is pretty funny. But uh, no, there's definitely a wide range. When you look back on the year that was. What's your memory of all of this? I mean, your experience is obviously different than those of us who, you know, were at the games or watched on television. You lived through it. You contributed to it. When you look back on your time and that very special season, how does it show up as a memory in your mind? Yeah, so I said this um, to someone else recently, but obviously the national championship, that game, the reaction after, it was insane. It was one of the best feelings ever. But, the you know, the things that I'm looking back on and smiling are the, you know, 5 a.m., 6 a.m. runs in late July, running to the stadium, running up the stadiums, um, all that stuff, all the all the hard work that went into it. Um, you know, the Tuesday practices, the Tuesday practice against Florida, you know, where we were going head-to-head, you know, some fights breaking out, hmm. stuff like that that I'm, I'm looking back on and smiling on uh, that I'm going to hold forever. I'm curious, and we've talked about this before, is that there is an element of football that's not glamorous, right? Like when you're getting a championship ring and you're interviewing with NFL teams and everybody's patting you in the back, that obviously I'm sure feels pretty good. But there is an element of, as you said, those very early morning workouts in the dead of summer, kind of when the season seems very long way away, where it's it's just not very glamorous. I mean, you know, I'm sure from a mindset standpoint, you have to train yourself to to believe that it's all worth it, that it's all adding towards something, whether it be for yourself individually, for the team collectively. I'm sure your mind probably plays some pretty funny tricks on you in a situation like that where you probably ask yourself some impolite questions of, man, why am I pushing myself so hard? Is this really what I want to do with my life? And, you know, to kind of push through that and to to go on to be the best version of yourself, I'm sure that takes a certain level of mental training, doesn't it? Yeah, it definitely does. And uh, after the Peach Bowl uh, last January, you know, we saw the talent that we had in the room, but we knew there was something missing. And I think that leads me to talking about the skull sessions that we took took upon uh, Coach Cochran uh, and Coach Smart. Um, kind of introduced them in uh, maybe February, and you know we all got split into groups, and I'd lead a group um, with some teammates, and you know I think that's what really uh, personally that's what I think took us over the hump is just having that uh, more so connected mm. team ever than before, and uh, you know we got to focus on a wide variety of topics, including mindset, including your why, and what makes you go every single day. Uh, things like that but uh you know we got as close as we could 
um, to each teammate, um, you know, freshmen to seniors to walk-ons to different position groups and everyone in between. And I think that's what really carried us. Obviously, your position was the hot topic coming out of G-Day. And, you know, Brock was injured not playing. Darnell was injured not playing. Technically, you could have come back. You've chose to move on to the NFL here now. But even with what was on display on Saturday, it seems like this is about as deep a position group as it ever could be. Are, are you ever amazed at just how much talent has been collected at one spot at one time obviously Todd Hartley seems to have done a great job of putting all those guys in the room together and also figuring out how to get them used there as well but do you ever just stop and remark about just how much exceptional talent exists at the tight end position at Georgia here at the moment yeah no it's incredible seeing the talent in that room um you know there's five guys six guys deep um that that all play and all can play and uh, I think it's hats off to coach Hartley and coach Mike the way they recruit the way they you know bust their tails um, you know, flying all over the country, getting top guys, um, and you know, it's paying dividends, obviously. But uh, no, it's special, and it's pretty cool because there's so many different personalities, so many different talents, and Coach Hartley finds a way to make sure that um, we all complement each other. We can all um, play on the field at the same time and uh, use our different skill sets to find success. So right now you're in the process of moving on to the NFL, and it's kind of interesting. This is the kind of thing that even those of us who obviously watch all the games on Saturday and look forward to the draft, there's an element of this in-between time, this pre-draft process that does kind of take place behind closed doors. And the the sense that I get, it's a little bit like almost like a job interview of any kind. You know, college graduates are, you know, flying around and moving around and, you know, trying to get the attention of future employers. And you're kind of doing the same kind of thing like that right now from an NFL standpoint. What's it been like for you? You know, how nerve-wracking has it been? Maybe that's the wrong way to describe it. But for those of us who won't experience this, what's it been like for you to kind of introduce yourself to the NFL community here over the course of the last couple of months? Yeah, it's been a whirlwind of emotions, I'd say. Uh, The first two months were a grind coming off the two surgeries um, in a scooter to crutches to to a boot uh, for two months straight, two and a half months. Uh, That was pretty, pretty tough, getting up the stairs, hearing my roommates yell at me because I was too loud in the morning, something like that. <laughs> but uh, I just kind of shut up. But, uh, no, you get off the crutches, and then, um, the, you know, the Zooms, the phone calls, the texts, and then visits start to kick up a little bit. And uh, this month of April has been, uh, you know, pretty hectic, but it's been, you know, I have enjoyed it a lot. I've been to a lot of great cities, um, meeting new coaches and teams and personnel within their facility, and I've enjoyed it a ton. That's uh, great to hear. I'll finish with this. Obviously, the Georgia team that it remains with you moving on and so many of your teammates moving on still has high hopes for the upcoming season. You talked a moment ago about the way in which, you know, kind of establishing the right mindset and talking with your teammates about that led to the success that you enjoyed last season. In fact, I actually remember you saying that even some before the season took place a year ago. How does this 2022 team replicate that? Maybe it's not exactly the same kind of thing because maybe each year kind of takes on its own form here. But for a, for a group of Georgia players who want their moment in the sun the same way you all got that a year ago, what would be your message to them about how they can go out and kind of create their own legacy the same way the 2021 team obviously did a season ago? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is finding their own identity. I think, uh, you know, realizing that they're not they're not the uh, – 2021 uh, national championship team. Yeah, there's a lot of carryover. There's a lot of guys from that team, but they have to find their own identity. Um, a bunch of leaders have to step up. There was probably 10, 15 to 20 leaders on this past team um, that would step up at different times. 
which uh, you know I thought it made it, it made it easier on the coaches because they didn't have mm. to uh, get into us as much as as much as they did in years past. I thought it was uh, pretty cool to see all the guys stepping up. So I think the two biggest things are finding their own identity and then having uh, as many leaders step up in different ways. Well, John, I know it's an incredibly busy time for you, and I certainly appreciate you making some time here for us. It was great to see you all get a chance to put those championship rings on Saturday. You have been a part of a lot of great memories for many UGA fans, so congratulations on a great career. Uh, congratulations on uh, a terrific season. Best of luck as you move towards the NFL, and as I told our audience a moment ago, we remember you as a recruit, and some time we spent with you back then, and to see you know, how your career has progressed since then has just been really, really enjoyable for so many of us, so uh, best of luck and we hope we get a chance to talk to you here very soon yes sir thanks for having me thank you so much all right great stuff there john fitzpatrick the terrific former georgia tight end who is a good one and when you are an nfl franchise who's you know looking for you know what you need on your roster you know there's a lot that john fitzpatrick can do for you that i think is going to uh, get a lot of attention from them a guy who's going to be willing to be the part of the, the physical part of all of this and clearly you, know, you hear him right there. He was such a uh, prominent spokesman for Georgia so much during his career. And in the interview right there, easy to imagine that he makes a great case for himself during some of these uh, pre-draft interviews that he's doing with so many of these NFL teams right now. So we certainly wish him well on all of that. Let me remind you, too, if you haven't done so already, this is a great time. Okay, we'll do a little finished long drink here. Um, so... Uh, <laughs> Uh, make sure you check out the long drink online at thelongdrink.com and you can enjoy yourself uh, four different varieties of the finished long drink there's the traditional comes in the blue can which is uh, kind of a grapefruit flavor with a gin kick there is a uh, long drink strong that's eight and a half percent alcohol by volume long drink cranberry that's a you know it's it's a ready to drink cocktail with that kind of nice little cranberry flavor very popular in uh, my neighborhood a lot of folks enjoy that a lot of you've tried that there as well long drink zero no carbs no sugar and you're like we have heard you talk about this finished long drink but i'm still not exactly sure what it is that's why you need to try some and understand that you know, it comes in a can so a lot of folks think well it must just be like a beer but it's not really like a beer it's like a ready to drink cocktail it's a new category fun category and for those of you that like mixed drinks but maybe you don't want to mix it yourself this is already mixed for you just pop the top drink it you're ready to enjoy that or pour it in a glass and you're ready to enjoy all of that too and if you're at a golf course a lot of these golf courses around my area kind of have that you're at a bar you're at a beverage store just a lot of fun places to try the finished long drink a lot of folks enjoying it there around athens this past weekend for uh for g day that was cool to see and you can try it yourself thelongdrink.com for more on that thelongdrink.com for more on that all right let me also give a shout out here to our kroger championship moms celebration we just talked to a champion a moment ago john fitzpatrick what it felt like to bring home that championship and obviously in our state there have been a lot of championships to celebrate here as of late which is a kind of a fun thing and it kind of leads us into something we enjoy doing this time of year anyway courtesy of our friends at kroger that's celebrating the championship moms in our life whether it be your mom or your wife i, I continue to be amazed by you know what my wife does on a daily basis taking care of our kids things i don't even think about you know that she's just constantly thinking about trying to get us where we're supposed to be and what we're supposed to do you know schedules mine just like yours very hectic this time of year but she just handles it with always plenty of grace and is it a plum is that is that, is that a word uh, grace and a plum she handles it uh, very well and you see this in your own life with your your own mom or your wife or your daughter who's a mom now or whatever story you have about that this is a great chance to celebrate that with our kroger championship mom so do this please if you don't mind she deserves to have her story told so go to info at dognation.com and tell her story and 
Coming up, we're going to draw out five winners of the championship moms courtesy of Kroger. And if your mom, the one in your life, is the winner, what a great gift pack she's going to receive. I'm talking about a bunch of gift cards, which includes Bath and Body Works, Home Chef, and of course, Kroger. And our friends at Sequest at Stonecrest are also going to give four annual passports to each of our winners there as well. So you've got now between now and April 29th to do this. So We'll continue to tell about tell you about this leading into that. But go to info at dognation.com. Tell your story via email. We'll draw out five winners at random. And then as we head towards Mother's Day, I'll announce winners, tell their story here live on the air. And we'll give some great gift packs, courtesy of our friends at Kroger, as the Kroger Championship Mom celebration rolls on. All right, so the next time I talk to you will be from Port Canaveral, Florida. That's on Monday. There you go. Getting ready to get on board. Uh, Independence of the Seas. Really looking forward to doing all that. So on Monday, I don't know that I properly explained this earlier. We're going to be doing a semi-normal show there from Port Canaveral. That'll be you know live in the moment. Interaction, of course, and all kinds of fun and surprises there as well. Then after that, we're getting on board. And all the fun begins. And then for the rest of the week here on this show, we'll give you the show from the Bahamas as we're sailing around there having a great time and uh, hopefully uh, just enjoying ourselves in such a huge way and if you can't be there with us man we wish you could be but for those of you who are on your way to Florida there with us to get on board Independence of the Seas we will see you there for all of that I mentioned a moment ago as well John Fitzpatrick former guest of ours in the Marlowe's Tavern also uh, brings to mind a story that Jeff Sintel wrote this week at DogNation.com about Devontae Wyatt, who also ends his career at Georgia this year, and also a former Marlowe's Tavern guest of ours back when he was a recruit. Our buddy Bass and Dog on Twitter uh, referenced that. will make him our golden shoe winner today, saying, I still remember the night Devontae walked in uh, with Dog Nation there at Marlowe's in Roswell. He shook everyone's hand in the room. We had no idea he'd develop into a potential future NFL first-round pick, and that's uh certainly one of those great stories from dog nation's past and it is really fun to watch these recruits grow up and become great players and find young men and move on to the nfl and so uh glad to have bass and dog remembering all of that will make him our golden shoe winner because of that gator hater updater not as much happiness for these florida fans as of late because it's been 4,852 days since they've won a national championship and more bad news to give them 190 days from right now dogs back in jacksonville beating them again will be billy napier's first loss in that series and simply kirby smart's next win you'll have a great weekend we'll see you back monday dog nation daily presented by kroger we will talk to you then and on the podcast time now for the rs andrews podcast cool down we'll take your comments here online at dognation.com or in the comment section or should say on twitter at dognation daily or those from the comment section there at dognation.com and i actually want to read a few comments from we talked on the show today about the way too early top 25 re-release from espn and connor wrote a story about that for dog nation got a couple pretty good comments i want to read here uh navy dog says there truly is a lot for dog fans to be excited about of course georgia's preseason number three according to espn he says is it a rebuild nah no way reloaded is a much better word national champions will be making yet another run to place another trophy side by side in the trophy case and yeah we said this last friday going into g-day that you know, to me, Georgia is every bit the national championship contender right now that it was this time a, a, a year ago, that there is this assumption on the part of some that Georgia must be due for a step back for whatever reason. But uh, I don't know that reality actually suggests that quite as much. Um, let's see what else. 
uh, Hemingway, who was also one of our great uh, commenters on video, says these rankings are laughable. Ohio State at number two, Utah at number four. <laughs> he says, I feel very comfortable <laughs> laughing at these rankings, basically. Um, I mean, I, I will laugh at Utah at four a lot more. I'm going to laugh at Ohio State at two. Now, I think that Ohio State has, like some teams in college football, traded some of their toughness for the explosiveness offensively. They've become a little bit of a finesse team as of late. But when you've got Stroud at quarterback, when you've got Henderson at running back, when you've got the wide receivers they have, they're clearly going to be dangerous. And I mean, you've got to have four playoff teams. I don't know how you effectively argue against Ohio State right now. So I'm with you on the Utah skepticism. They'll probably be good, not great. That's typically a Kyle Whittingham story. Just not enough talent to truly be a great team. But I don't don't know that I doubt Ohio State right now probably as much as you do. Um Candler Park weighs in to say they list SEC teams as three of the top five and four of the uh, top six with zero SEC teams anywhere in between. I should say he has three of the top five and four of the last six in the rankings with zero SEC teams in between. Is there really that much daylight between Texas A&M and say Ole Miss? I think that's probably a pretty fair question. He says A&M is lucky to be playing Miami, Arkansas, and Ole Miss at home. They could end up 11-1 and rank number five for that reason. However, the one thing I'll point out, um, uh, uh, and, and this is something that Candler Park also mentions is that, you know, they face Bama, South Carolina, Mississippi State all on the road. We talked about this in the show the other day, and I don't have the schedule in front of me, but A&M, who's preseason number five, according to ESPN, doesn't play a home SEC game until almost the end of October. It's a very weird schedule for A&M here this season. And Candler's other point is correct, is that you do see like Kentucky and Tennessee and Ole Miss teams like that near the bottom of the SEC or I should say near the bottom of the ESPN preseason top 25 after you know A&M and, and, and Alabama and Georgia all kind of up there near the top. And obviously for, for Texas A&M, that really hasn't had the breakout year on the field under Jimbo Fisher yet. Had a top five ranking in 2020. Uh, but ultimately, that was a little bit of an anomaly just being a pandemic year, whatever else. Shorter season, of course. You know, Can they truly have a season like that here this year when you're playing a full slate, when you're getting – extra attention because of the recruiting success could be a lot of folks watching that here very closely um big dog 61 also mentioned the fact that mark schlebaugh in an interview about the preseason top 25 said he views it as bama george ohio state and then everybody else and yeah we said that on the show today and we've said this now a couple of times of man if you want to try to make that case for that fourth playoff team right now i really don't know who your argument would be i could listen to almost anything it's got to be somebody but there's not that like obvious name there right now so that is a conversation i'm sure we will continue to have and look forward to doing that with you then as far as today thanks for being with us for our podcast cool down we will see you on monday show recording from port canaveral getting on independence of the seas with royal caribbean after that and then some real special fun from the bahamas over the course of the next couple of days after that. So y'all have a great weekend. We'll talk to you Monday. It's Dog Nation Daily presented by Kroger and our R.S. Andrews podcast, Cool Down After That. We'll see you then, everybody.